All right, everybody. Well, listen, we want to also, we want to welcome those that are viewing all around the world today through our live stream that's happening right now, or those of you that normally attend New Life and maybe you're at home sick or you're out on vacation, um, any of those types of things, we want to welcome you. Thank you for being here with us today. Uh, today's message, like Dean said, is really kind of jumping into the early years of Joshua's life. Now, Joshua was a man who followed Moses. Who's heard of Moses? You've heard of Moses. Absolutely you have, yeah. Joshua's a man who followed him. And so we're going to be looking at the early years of Joshua's leadership so that I can, in turn, also cast some, some amazing, hopefully amazing, inspirational vision for us here at New Life for what it looks like as we move into the future following God. So I just want to start out with a question, if that's good, all right? Have you ever had one of those moments where you crossed a line where there was no going back in your life before? Have you ever had a scenario happen in your life where you crossed the line and now there's no going back? I mean, you started it, you can't stop it. It's in motion, you can't change anything about it. So if you've ever, if you've ever jumped out of a plane, anybody ever jumped out of a plane before? All right, that's definitely one of those moments. You have? Wow, that is awesome. Many times probably. Yeah, there you go. When you jump out of a plane, you do realize there's no going back, right? All right, so out the window you go, the door you go, hopefully, and hopefully that was all purposeful and you were prepared for it. That's what you want. If you've, if you've walked down the aisle and stood on a platform at a church and said, you know, I will, to the person that, you know, you love with everything inside of you and you got married, there was no turning back, all right? No turning back. Even, even you know, like two months later, or a year later when that puppy love wore off, right, wives, and you were laying there in bed and you can't sleep because you had no idea how this man could snore like a freight train. There was no going back. There was no going back. Um, so what about, uh, what about this, getting a tattoo? You know, when you were younger and you thought, wow, that's what I want to do. It will make a, it will make a statement, you know, to only be, 20 years later, trying to look at it and go, what in the world is that? All the ink is all gelled together. It just looks like a blob now. It's abstract art now on my body. Or having a child. Once you have a child, there's no going back, right? Some things are changed forever. Or I remember the day that I joined the military. When you sign your name on the line, there's no turning back. They don't like that very much. You commit, you're in, you're there. And last week in our business meeting, we crossed a line together and there's no turning back. We're in this together now. This is our moment. It's our moment to lead. It's our moment to go someplace. It's our moment to commit. And we have to be just like those people who jumped out of the plane. We have to be just like those people who committed their lives together on a platform. We have to be just like those people like I did who signed our name on the dotted line. We have to be all in and be fully committed if we're going to see what God has for us. We really have two choices now that we've crossed the line and there's no turning back. The first choice is we can maintain what Bob and Connie led us in. We can just maintain that and just go, let's figure out how to reproduce that and just do it over and over and over again. Or we can press forward and take, all, take a hold of all that God has for us. I think I know what your heart is. I believe it's the same as my heart. And that is, we want to move forward and take a hold of all that God has for us. Not forgetting the best of the past, but building on the past to gain everything we have for the future. Because there's one thing I know for sure about God. Read all of Scripture, start at the beginning, go to the end. When God calls someone to do something that they've never done before, God never has ever said this. 
hey, by the way, Jeff, I'm calling you to New Life. And I want you to be the new lead pastor. And by the way, I've got it right where I want it. Don't screw it up. You never, you will never find that command in, in God's word. You always find God going, I'm calling you to a place. I've got fresh vision and I want to build on the best of the past. And God has positioned each of us at this moment, at this time, to be a part of something really great. We're like a golf ball put up on a tee and the Holy Spirit is swinging the club and we're getting ready to take flight. Because God has a crazy, crazy, amazing heart for this place when i think about new life and i think about god's heart i'm reminded of jeremiah 29 11, for i know the plans that i have for you says the lord they're plans for good and not for disaster they're to give you hope and to give you a future that's god's heart for us as a church it's god's heart for your life it's god's heart for your marriage that's what god wants husbands your hearts to be towards your wives and wives your hearts to be towards your husband that was the heart of christ as he gave his life on the cross was not to bring disaster and harm, not just to cause us to be in a loop where we just, you know, play the same record, play the same Sunday over and over again. But it's something new. It's of hope and it's of future. And that's God's heart for us. And in Joshua chapter 1, after coming out of Deuteronomy, you've got Moses who's leading that the last chapter of Deuteronomy, Moses dies. He dies. The Bible says that Moses at 120 years of age still had perfect eyesight. He was a man in great health. What we really are saying and what the Bible really is trying to tell us is this. Moses' day was done. Moses had a lot of life in him. Moses had a lot of leadership left in him. Moses had a lot of youth even left in him. And I, I equate that really to Bob and Connie. You know, at their age, they had many years of fruitful ministry ahead of them. But God spoke something to them. Just like God spoke to Moses and he said to him, Moses, this is where your journey ends. Your journey's going to end. Climb the mountain. And Moses dies. And God buries him with his very own hands. Moses was a powerful man. Moses did things and saw God do things that no other man who's walked on the face of this earth has seen. Moses saw the power of God move through his life. Moses met with God face to face. Moses, the only man, the only man in God's word to have been literally, God dug the hole in the earth with his own hands and placed his body in there and covered it up the only man and then joshua comes in joshua chapter one and god gets a hold of joshua and he says joshua i want you to know something moses has died it's now your turn and what i want you to do is i want you to lead my people into the promise the promise that i made to their father abraham i want you to lead them into the promised land and god goes on and starts creating vision inside of joshua's heart and he starts showing him the parameters of the land that he's leading them to and he goes this is how far it stretches to the north here's how far joshua it stretches to the south it goes all the way over here you know to the to the east and it stretches all the way to the mediterranean in the west this is yours joshua and everywhere your foot goes it's going to be your land and then god says to joshua wherever you go and as long as you are alive I will go with you. I'll protect you. I'll be your power. And then all of a sudden, in verse 6, the promises change. They change completely from God to now God challenging Joshua. Okay, Joshua, if this is what you want, verse 6, very first words, then be strong and courageous. That's what he gets to tell him. He says in Joshua 1, 6, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess 
all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and courageous. That's what God's saying to you and me today. If we're going to grab a hold of what God has for, for us, then we have to be strong and courageous. See, God, doesn't, God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed from one month ago. God hasn't changed from last Sunday. God's heart for this church is still the same. What God's looking for is that will you and me be strong and courageous and line up with God's heart because God's going someplace with this church and he's looking for people that will lead it. That's why he says to Joshua, listen, I want you to lead these people to possess it. So you and me, if we're going to be strong and courageous, just right off the bat, we're going to have to embrace God's call. God spoke to Joshua and he called him. He called him to be the leader at this very moment. And he challenged him to embrace it and to lead where he's never gone before. And to do that, Joshua was going to have to take action. It wasn't a moment where Joshua was just going to be able to sit back and go, okay, well then God, spell out for me all of the details. What exactly? I mean, open up the skies. God, continue to do the things like you did for Moses because God was moving in Joshua and he's moving in Joshua differently than he was moving in Moses, but God's heart still wanted to be accomplished. God's heart for this church still wants to be accomplished, even though he'll move through my life and through our staff differently than he moved through Bob and Connie. That doesn't mean that God's heart for our church has changed. God's faithful. God is faithful. And he's going to keep leading us because he has a promise that's greater than what we're walking in today. It's not better than where we've been. It's just, it's perfect because it's in God's timing. I want to make sure you're clear with that. So Joshua had to take action. And for us, we have to take action. This day has been really in God's heart since the beginning of time. And really, this is our turn now. It's our time now. We all have moments in life where it's our turn. When was the last time you went out to eat? Just think of that with me, okay? You went out to eat with some friends, right? You were out to eat with some friends and you're there at the table and the waitress comes up and the waitress does what all waitresses do and they finally get around to popping the question. So what would you like to eat? And some of you, your heart beats and it palpitates with a little bit of anxiety because you're like, I hope that she doesn't look at me first because I don't know. Right? And so, the, so she starts on the other side of the table because she reads it in your face and reads it in your eyes. And she wants a good experience because she wants the biggest tip you can afford to give. So she starts on the other side of the table and she comes around to you. And you know at some point it's going to be your turn. And it's going to be your time. And you're going to have to speak up. You're going to have to take initiative. And for us, if we're going to embrace God's call, we too have to realize that the Holy Spirit's standing at our door. He's standing at each one of your doors, not just Not just the door to my heart and Kim's heart, but he's standing at the front of your door right now and he's knocking on your heart and he's asking you, will you be part of the leading of this church into what I have for it? He's standing there and he's knocking and he's asking, will you take initiative? Will you take initiative and act on it? Will you do that? There's other moments when it's your turn, like you stand in line at an amusement park and you wait for the roller coaster. Right? And the roller coaster is making all of its noise. And the closer you get, you hear the screams of people. Ah! You see them as they come in and they're, they're white on their face and their hair is blown back and people are, you know, missing things. <laughs> Saliva has gone back on their face. You, you've seen those moments and the car screeches and the closer you get, the smell of the ride is there. 
You know, the sound of the screeching brakes as it comes back in to stop. You hear the clicking of the roller coaster. Click, 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 click as it's climbing. And you get there and you're standing in line and you're in for the front seat of the roller coaster. And then all of a sudden, now it's your turn. Right? It's your moment to sit there and for the person to come by that's getting paid $7.50 an hour to make sure that you're going to be safe on the ride. (laughs) And they push the bar down on you and you're like you're like god please let this be the moment it stays on its tracks it's your turn and you have to overcome your fear at that moment and that's what we have to do if we're going to embrace god's call at this moment we're going to have to overcome our fear of the ride that he has us on there's other moments when you've had to you know step out and take your turn think about the moment that you moved out of your parents house for the very first time remember that man it was like you had the world by the tail You know, you had no clue what a utility bill was or how you were going to get rent or, for that matter, how food was going to get on the table or how you were going to get around town. It just didn't matter, did it? It was the excitement of the newness of just moving out. And guys, I'm telling you, if we're going to embrace God's call, we too are going to have to go back to a moment like that and be excited about the unknown. There's an unknown factor to this new day. But just like when you moved out of your parents' house, the unknown didn't scare you from doing that. The unknown didn't keep you from moving forward. You were excited about the unknown and you had it by the tail and you were ready to go after it. And so we are in the same place. We have to be excited about the unknown. So the question today is this, are we going to maximize or are we going to squander this call that God has for us today? You know, we're here at a perfect moment. You could have been anywhere on this planet. You could, have been, you could have been attending church at some place else, you know. But God has you here at New Life today. And that means He's got a role for each of us to play. And God has a call on this church. You know, if I can just quickly say that God's heart, that He wants us to embrace, this call in God's heart that He wants us to rally around, I, I think it could quickly be summed up in just a couple of statements. First, it would be this, to seek out the lost and to lead them to Christ. Each of us, not just me, not just how we design church here. Or we're going to design church for the unchurched. There's no doubt about that. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, this, what we do in here is not just for Christians, by the way. This is supposed to be for the unchurched to come in and find relationship with God. And so that's what we have to be about. That would be part of God's call. Each of us actively engaging friends of ours that the Bible refers to as outsiders right now and helping to love them into the kingdom that they would become insiders. I know God, the part of God's call is this, to grow strong, passionate followers of Christ. That in this room, we wouldn't be lackadaisical with our faith, but yet we would embrace God's call and go, God, how are you wanting to change me? And how are you wanting to grow me? I'm not done yet. As long as you have breath, I guarantee you there's something about God He wants to reveal to you. God's not done. You may, you may have retired. You may have great-grandchildren, but God's not done. You may have graduated from college this past fall and think that you, too, have got the world by the tail, but God is not done. You may be in the middle, middle years of your life going through a crisis, sensing like you're depressed or sensing like, what should I do? Wanting to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a motorcycle that you don't even really like. The midlife crisis might be on you, but God's not done with you. We have to be people that are willing to embrace God's call and go, God, make me hungry again. If you're not hungry for God, ask Him to make you hungry. 
If you're living life just going through and sinning and falling flat on your face and you sense no conviction in your heart, ask God to convict you. If you sense that you stalled spiritually and somewhere along the way you lost momentum and passion after God, then come back to the last word God spoke to you and pick it up from there. Because somewhere along the way, you have to be a good soldier and you have to march to the last orders that you were given. Maybe you got off path and you're marching to your own. Go back and find that part and pick it up. The third thing I think that could quickly be defined as God's call for this church is to to engage people with the power of the Holy Spirit. Just because we are a church that is designed so that the unchurched can come in and find wholeness and health doesn't mean that we kick the Holy Spirit out of the equation and just make it man-minded. The Holy Spirit must be free to move. He must be free to move in our hearts. He must be free to move in this place. Let's never forget, it wasn't good preaching that drew people to the heart of God. It was the Holy Spirit who drew people to the heart of God. The Holy Spirit is drawing people out of the community into this place. And it's the same Holy Spirit that draws people down to altars like this to say that Jesus is my Lord and leader. In fact, it's the same Holy Spirit that will awaken you on the inside, that will draw you to a place and humble you, if you allow Him to, to ignite a fresh passion inside of you. That quickly sums up a great picture of God's call on us. And there's so many details that would go into that. So the question is this, will you embrace the call of God? And if you will, then you have to do what God asked Joshua to do. And he asked him to do something. He said, lead. Lead. Today's word of leading is not just for me. Today's word of leading is for you as well. We each have a position. We each have some level of authority in leading, no matter what your age is. To lead would be this. To lead by loving those who are lost. That's where we lead. We lead by doing that. We lead by growing stronger in our faith. We set the tone. We set the example for the next generations to come. We lead by opening ourselves up to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And we lead by willingly obeying God's voice. That's where it starts. We have to embrace God's call if we want to be strong and courageous. But God doesn't stop there. God goes on with Joshua and he says something else to him about being strong and courageous. He says, Joshua, if you want to be strong and courageous, then you must live according to God's word. You've got to live according to God's Word. I know, hold on, before you blow me off and go, well, Jeff, that just sounds so simple. I've heard that over and over again. Let's make sure we understand what God means by living according to God's Word. So in Joshua 1, 7 and 8, this is what he says. Be strong and, and very courageous, Joshua. Strong and very courageous. The second time he said it. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Look at verse 8. What's the first word? What does it say? So study this book of instruction, you know, continually. Then what does it say? Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything that's written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. See, Joshua, he was quickly challenged to obey fully what God had spoke. Listen first to Moses. God says to him, Joshua, if you follow what I spoke, what God spoke to Moses, you'll be successful. But then God goes, but let me help you understand what it means to obey then in verse 8. It means this. It means to study the book, to study God's word. Then he says, meditate on it. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, just read it. If you and me are going to be strong and courageous and follow God's word, 
That means it's way beyond just reading. It's way beyond just the checklist of going, well, I read some Bible today. It's way beyond that. Now, I know spiritually that might be where you're at right now, but you need to know something. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, if you have yet to cross over the line of faith and give your life to Christ, and you are trying to find out who God is through His Word, you need to know something. It's not just about reading. It's about meditating, and it's about studying. So when you read God's Word, no matter where you are, whether you're you know, someone that's giving it all in your faith, or you're a pre-Christian just exploring God, it all comes back to studying and meditating, not just reading it. So first, God says to Joshua, follow what God, what I said to Moses. And then secondly, notice what's happening naturally in this passage. Notice that Joshua is hearing from who? Who's speaking to Joshua right now? Which is not written. It's not written in the book that Moses had. What Joshua was hearing right at that very moment was what God was saying for that very day. And that's what God's saying to us. If we're going to follow God's word, we have to grab a hold of what God's led this church in and what God spoke to Pastor Wine and Akani. And we have to also be people that are hungry to hear from God for today, for this very moment. That's the way our entire education system is built, anyways. You read books that have been written. You look at history books that have, you know, they depict a timeline of things that have happened. And then you hear from a teacher, from an instructor. And that teacher causes things to have greater insight, causes that teaching to have clarity, causes that teaching to take action with it. That's exactly what's happening today. You, you read and you study and you meditate on God's word. And today you're here and hopefully I'm helping you to have greater insight and greater, greater clarity so that you can take action on God's word. And that's what happens in our education system. That's what happens in our spiritual journey as well. So we've got to discern today, and I know this is my job to help with this and to lead this charge, but we have to discern today there are things that God spoke to Pastor Wine that we must obey. And there are things that God spoke to Bob that we have to let go of. Let me rephrase that so that it's clear because I said it slightly wrong. Maybe I do need my notes more than I thought. (laughs) There are things that God spoke to Pastor Wine that we have to obey. And then there are things that are just Bob that we have to let go of. Some of those things that were just Bob and just Connie that we have to let go of. I want to make sure that you understand as we change things, we're not changing it because we don't like them. We're not changing things because they did it wrong. We're changing things because some of those things were just the way that Bob and Connie did it. And I think if he was here, he would say to us, would you please change those things? But we have to change them not just to what we think is good. We've got, we don't change for the sake of change. We change because we sense what God's saying, like, like Joshua was sensing what God was saying at that very moment but we're going to hang on to the things that we know without a shadow of a doubt God spoke through Pastor Wine and Connie to this church. Let me just give you a couple of those things that I know for sure God spoke through them to us. How about this one? Live for God's kingdom. That's definitely something God spoke through them to us. It's not just about a kingdom externally. It's about a kingdom in the heart. It's about the authority of the king and being surrendered and being obedient to the authority of the king knowing our part in the kingdom we are just pawns to the king that everything we have belongs to the king it always has and it always will 
And we have to live and we have to grow. We have to continue to feed that muscle inside of us that there is a king and we're in his kingdom and we have to learn to live by him. That's something God spoke through them to us and we're not going to let it go. We also have to hang on to other things like listening to the Spirit's voice over the souls. Amen? How many of us have grown from those types of teachings? Man, all over the place. And if you haven't, you just weren't listening. It's that predominant. We have to be people that hang on to that biblical truth that God led this church in, and we won't let go of it. There is an intuitive voice, as Pastor Wine would say, that is speaking to us, leading us. And we've got to quiet our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions to listen to this intuitive voice of the Holy Spirit to lead us in how we parent, to lead us in our business, to lead us in our prayer time, to lead us through God's Word, to lead us in every area of our lives To be led by the Spirit and not the soul is not just something that happens on Sunday. He would remind us. It's something that happens daily. We have to hang on to that. And then, not that this list is exhaustive, but just to, you know, help you understand what I mean, we also have to be people that make disciples. That turn around and make other disciples. Have you ever heard that before? That was God. That's not just Bob. It's not just a little thing he grabbed a hold of. That was the command of Christ. Go and make disciples. That's something we're going to hang on to because it was God. Some other things are Bob, and those things will change. And we're going to find what God's heart is on some of that stuff. And honestly, some of it will just be me because of who I am. I'm a little different than him. But we're cut out of the same cloth in the DNA of our hearts. We're going to do the best we can. So we have to follow what God spoke to Bob. You have to follow, like Joshua was told, follow what I spoke to Moses. But secondly, we must study God's word for what he's saying directly to us today. We have to be intent on listening to the Holy Spirit. We have to be intent on seeking the presence of God. That's what I love about Joshua. Where is some of the early times you find Joshua? You find him in the tent of meeting with Moses. Moses goes into the tent to seek God and the power of God falls. And man, there's just this, you know, physical aspect of God's power in the tent. And then the Bible says... Moses leaves, and his young age Joshua stays. That's the kind of heart we have to have. Although our former leader left, our hearts must stay in the presence of God. They must stay hungry after God. We must stay seeking the power and the presence of God, hungry for fresh vision. If we want to be strong and courageous, that's how we must embrace God's Word. Does that make sense? Then God goes on and he says, hold on, I'm not done yet. If you want to know, Joshua, what it means to be strong and courageous, then here's what I want you to do. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Look at what verse 9 has to say. He says, God goes, this is my command. Look what he says. What does he say again? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? Read those last words with me. For the Lord Your God is with you wherever you go. We're going to be strong and courageous. We can't be afraid of this new day. We can't be discouraged by what maybe we move into that doesn't quite work exactly the way we think it ought to work. God's with us. There's the number one, the number two, and the number three reason why people lack faith in moving forward with God and let fear grip them is because of fear. Fear's the number one, two and three reason why we don't follow God with all faith. Fear cripples us from being courageous. See, 
Many of you have given your life to Christ and you're a follower of God and Satan hates that. If you're here today and you've committed your life to God, you just need to know Satan is completely ticked off. And there's one thing that he knows. He may have lost you in your relationship to God, but he's going to do everything in his power to keep you from being strong and courageous. Satan fears a strong and courageous Christian. He doesn't fear a mediocre Christian. He fears a strong and courageous Christian. And Satan's weapon to combat strong and courageous people is fear. So here we are. God's challenging Joshua. He's telling him, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged because, Joshua, you're going to find challenges ahead of you. And Joshua did. You read the chapters ahead and you'll find Joshua had challenge after challenge after challenge. But God was trying to remind him just what he's trying to remind us today. Our new day ahead of us sounds exciting right now. Sounds like it's going to be the best vacation we've ever had. But there's going to be hiccups along the way. There's going to be challenges along the way. But we need to hang on to a promise from God, just like Joshua had to hang on to. And that's this. I will be with you. That's what God's promising. He'll be with us. So this call to be strong and courageous today is not for the weak-hearted. It's not for the weak. It's for the strong. It's for those with great faith who want to see God do something amazing. The status quo requires no strength or courage. That's the status quo. But going where you've never been before and doing things that you've never done before requires strength and courage on our part. And if we want to go someplace we've never gone before, we want to do some things in God's kingdom that we've never done before. We, just like Joshua, are going to have to carry the command of God and not be afraid and not be discouraged, but realize God is with us everywhere we go. Why? Because this is God's church. This wasn't Pastor Wine's church. This was God's church. I told you that. This is not now Jeff and Kim's church. This is God's church. And God's saying, I'm going to be with you no matter where you go. Amen? So overcoming fear is going to be required to accomplish great things. Moms, I applaud you. I mean, my mom, if she's watching right now, I applaud you. You you overcame the fear of what it would be like to give birth. And now I'm here. And I'm thankful for that. And for every mom, it just baffles my mind, you know, to contemplate You know what that experience is like, but you overcame it and great things came from it. Way to go, moms. Soldiers. Soldiers, when they're on the plane and they're flying to the battlefield or they're in the tank and they're driving or they're in the Humvee and they're going to the battle to liberate a people that are underneath the tyranny of a dictator. There's a lot of fear that starts welling up in the hearts. But when they overcome that fear, great things happen and people are liberated from tyranny. You know, every other week I have to go to the Carney Clinic and I have to get an allergy shot. I hate shots. In fact, I'm a little fearful of shots. I get that kind of queasy feeling. You know? It's the same kind of fear that I have when I see a spider. And I'm like, whoa! Like that. I don't know what it is. I just don't know what it is. I'm just being humble and admitting I have fears. But when I overcome that fear to get that shot every other week, I'm telling you, it's much greater The winds blow, pollen is in the air, ragweed floats through the air, you know, and it just kind of floats right by me. And I look at others and I watch them, you know, sneeze uncontrollably and carry hankies as their nose runs off their face like a river. And I just think to myself, the fear of getting that shot 
is much, is much greater now because the reward is those pollen pieces just kind of fly by and they don't affect me. God reminds us all throughout Scripture, don't let fear guide you. Isn't that what 2 Timothy 1, 7 says? It says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So let's be honest, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be changes that we're all going to face. And I want you, just like me, to resist the temptation to say things like this. We've never done it that way before. Resist that. Resist those feelings to say that. Resist the feelings to say, why can't we just go back and do it the way we used to? And resist the feeling on the inside to go, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to hold out and wait and see if this young puppy can actually make it happen. Then I'll, then I'll jump in. And I want you to resist those things. Resist them because that is the essence of fear. And that's guiding you and it's leading you. What we need at this moment is to not be afraid or discouraged, but to both all of us, including you, to jump in with both feet and go, God, I want to be strong and courageous and I want to move with you and I want to lead this church to become all that it's supposed to be for South Central Nebraska and for all of its ministries that people listen to around the world. God promised us something. And if God doesn't go back on His promise, God promised He'll go with us wherever we go. That's like God writing you a check. You take it to the bank, it never, it never bounces. You cash it. He's got all the funds in the account to back up His statements. God doesn't flippantly make statements to His people and then just to watch them flail out there and just to watch them fail. God made a promise to Joshua and I sense God's making the promise to us. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous because I am with you. After Joshua got these three commands of be strong and courageous, Joshua turned immediately around and he turned to the people and he gave the, this command to them. In Joshua 1.11, he says to the people, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's leave that scripture up there. I'm saying the very same thing to you today. Get your possessions ready. Get your possessions ready because there is a new day. We're in a new day. There's no turning back. We've, we have, we're crossing the Jordan. There's a new day. We have to get our provisions ready so we can seize the moment. We're going to grab a hold of what God has for us and live strong and courageous lives and our provisions must be ready. What are our provisions? Let me just give you a few of those things. First off, it would be this. Get your gifts and your talents. Get your finances. Get your materialistic things. Get those things in order because God wants to move us into a new day and God's saying all those things are mine in the first place. The kingdom principle. Get those provisions ready. Seek God over every one of those provisions. Seek God over your talents. Are they being maximized? And if they're not, start making a move to get those talents maximized in this church. If you look around this church and you don't see the ministry that fits your talents, you come and talk to me. Because possibly we need to start a new ministry. And that's what we're going to have to do in the new day, in the new era that we're in. New ministries have to be birthed. Where are they going to come from? Me and our pastoral staff? Not all of them. Some of them are in your hearts. The God's locked up in your heart for such a time as this if we together are going to lead. 
Get your materialistic things in order. Get your mindset on what you're living for in this life. Get those provisions in order. Get your finances in order. If, you've, if you're not a tither, start tithing. I have no excuse to ask you to do that because it's a biblical thing. It's not Jeff Baker. You get your provisions ready and God's going to bless you in ways that it's hard for me to even describe to you. If you made a, a, a promise to our, to our belief project, follow through with it. Have faith to believe God to finish that thing. If you're looking at it right now and you're like, man, I made a, I made a faith promise that just doesn't seem like it's coming together for that belief project. Have faith to continue to believe and just see what God does. Get your talents and your gifts. Get your stuff in order. The second thing about your provisions is this. Build healthy relationships with other new lifers. Don't be someone that just walks through the doors but doesn't have fellowship with each other. And I'm not talking about knowing people's names and greeting them on a Sunday. I'm talking about actually enjoying one another. Building healthy relationships in our community where you actually go over to someone else's house for dinner, where you go out and you bowl with them, where you go out and you watch a movie together, where you're seen in a restaurant eating with one another, enjoying one another's company. You're like, well, I'm more of an introverted person, so I don't really like hanging out with people. That's, if you're not hanging out with people, then you're not being who God wants you to be. How do you influence others when you just shell up and hang out by yourself? So you have to figure out ways to break out of that. If that means get into a life group, get into a life group. If it means you've got to initiate relationship, initiate it. But we need to build healthy relationships because Jesus said a powerful thing. The world will know that you're my followers when they see you loving one another. That's part of our provision, is our relationship to gird and to protect each other. The third thing that we have to take a look at when God speaks to us about the provisions of our lives is obviously the spiritual preparedness of our heart. The spiritual preparedness of our heart. If, we want, to get, if we want to get that in line so that you can be strong and courageous, then you've got to lay down sinful habits. Lay them down. You've got to let go of sinful thoughts. Let go of that. Discipline. You know, come to God. Ask Him to move in your hearts. Increase your spiritual hunger. Come before God and go, God, listen, I want to be more hungry for you. I want to be used for you in powerful ways. And then give greater leadership to Christ. Those are four simple ways that the provision of your heart can be maximized for such a time as this. Get your heart ready. Get your heart ready for God to breathe into you something new. Get your heart ready for God to use you. Get your heart ready for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Get your heart ready so that faith can be engaged and your provisions can be ready so that God can activate them and do what only God can do. The question today then comes down to this. If you're going to be strong and courageous, what provisions do you have that need to be surrendered to the king so that you can live strong and courageous. What are those? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today about? That you need to prepare your provisions so that you can live a strong and courageous life. What is it? Because whatever it is, in a moment, I want you to activate faith and I want you to bring those things to God. What is it that God's knocking on your heart door and He's going, I called you for such a time as this to lead. Get your provisions ready so that you can be strong and courageous. What is it? Some of those things need to be brought down to an altar like this and laid down. Some of them are, are sin issues that need to be laid down. Some of them are heart issues, just hungering after God. Hungry hearts need to come to altars like this and go, here's my life, God. Use me. Some of us need to go to prayer partners that are going to be in the back during this worship time. And while they're back there, we go to them and we ask them to agree with us in Jesus' name that certain provisions of your lives will be lined up with God. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, but I know this, whatever He's speaking is right. Whatever He's speaking, take action on today. 
Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, but we know that you're wanting to use our lives for something that's greater than where we are today. Like you came to Joshua and you started preparing his heart to lead where he's never gone before and do things he's never done before. You spoke to him over and over again. You said, be strong and courageous. And in doing so, the first actions on being strong and courageous, Lord, was challenging the congregation to get the provisions ready. Lord, I sense that by the power of your Spirit, you're speaking those same things to us. Get your provisions ready. Because in this new day, it's going to require new action. Some of us, in getting our provisions ready, God, need to confess things to you. Others of us need to lighten our load. Others of us need to bring our personal vision we've been living by that's selfish and let that be a God vision. Some of us need to bring items of our lives back to you and go, you got control. You have control of my kids. Lord, you have control of my finances. You have control of my occupation. God, I want you to have control of my talents and my gifts. Some of us need to bring our fears and lay them down and go, God, conquer this fear so I can be ready to move with you where you call me to go. Some of us need to just go, God, activate, activate audacious faith. Trust you when you speak to us things that blow our minds away, that we would activate and work with you and move with you. Holy Spirit, you've been speaking to the hearts of people. Now I trust that you're going to lead people in what you want us to do. Lord, use these altars for the hungry. Use these altars for the humble today. May this auditorium be full of your people that are going, yes, here I am, God, for such a time as this. Lord, teach me to be strong and courageous that your kingdom might advance during my day. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Church, I just want to invite you that during these next moments of worship, let's pursue the heart of God. Let's be strong and courageous as we seek after God. Let's be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit in this place today. Let's respond to God over these next few moments.